Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hi. This is a, just, what a great idea. So I really uh, um, bowed to Mary Grace and uh, uh, really appreciate her putting this together and Bob and is, is Richard still here? Richard's here. Um, Richard's here. Where's Richard? Where is he? <laughs> on his way. Uh, uh, I, re- I remember when Spirit Rock first opened the, uh, this retreat center, maybe, maybe Mary Grace said this, the very, very beginning, we, uh, the first retreat, we had all the teachers come and uh, give short Dharma talks, Dharmettes, uh, and uh, and all participate in a in a group event, and I don't think we've had a retreat like that since. So that's like uh, eleven years ago. So it's really wonderful. Thanks, and great to be a part of it, and great to give a Dharma talk in the morning where I'm more awake. You know, I might <laughs> might even hear what I'm saying. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, I. Uh, thought that I'd talk today about uh, faith and confidence in your practice, in your mind, in your heart, because um, it's, it's such a, a central issue uh, to keep going. I don't know, uh, have you, have there been a talk on the hindrances, uh, any, any talk on the hindrances? So you know that, uh, you know, both from the talk and maybe from your personal experience that doubt can come into the mind uh, when you're doing this. Like, what am I doing here? You know, what's supposed to be happening? Or I don't know if I can do this. Everybody else is sitting like a Buddha and I'm just kind of spacing out or spinning out here. And the antidote to doubt is faith and confidence. And it's, there's no, no shame in, in having bouts of doubt. Even the Buddha, just before he was enlightened, you know, perhaps that was talked about, Mara coming to him and, and saying, you know, what makes you think you have the right to become enlightened? It's the last thing to go first. There was seduction, beautiful images, and then there was fears and, 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 and aggressive uh, energy coming towards him. And those he turned away. And then the very last thing is, who do you think you are anyway? And the Buddha touches his hand to the, to the ground to uh, have the earth witness all the lifetimes and effort that he's gone into practicing uh, for that moment, and then he's enlightened. So it comes to the Buddha just before awakening, there's still doubt in the mind. And of course, you know, you, we all know uh, the, the famous words by Jesus on, on the cross, why, why hast thou forsaken me? Doubt coming to Jesus just, just before he completely releases in freedom. So if you have some doubts coming to you from time to time, you're in good company. It's, uh, it's just part of the package of having a mind. 
But here we have this practice that is not only helping us see clearly, see the truth, but more and more have confidence that we're facing in the right direction. The word in Pali for confidence, it's the same word for confidence, faith, trust, the word sadha, S-A-D-D-H-A, which really means to put one's heart upon, to really surrender and, and um, um, let a heartfelt trust emerge so that we can continue this, this journey. And it takes some, some courage to do this. This is not easy. You know, I, I, Mary Grace told me that quite a few of you are here for your first retreat. So I'm, I'm so happy to, uh, to have this opportunity to speak with you and to, uh, to really acknowledge that when you're starting out, this is, this is not easy. And when you've been doing it for 20 or 30 years, sometimes it's not easy. But what happens over time is you realize, oh, there's, there's really a value to doing this. But it takes, some, it takes a, some courage to enter into this, you know, four or five days of, of silence. What's that going to be like? Just me watching my mind, trying to make friends with myself. Whoa, no escape, no entertainment, no distraction. It's, it takes courage. Doesn't mean that you don't have any fear. You're saying, oh, sure, I can do it. But to be honest with ourselves and to, to let go into the silence um, we just go in a little at a time. It takes courage to be willing to make mistakes. It takes courage, and that's how we learn confidence, to be willing to not do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, when I, was, um, when I was a kid, and I was trying to, uh, each, each weekend, we'd, or most weekends, we'd go with my family to my, from Queens, where I, I grew up, to my grandparents' house in, in uh, Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, for those New Yorkers. And we'd get in the car, and my, somehow we'd get from Jackson Heights to Brighton Beach. And I remember saying to my father, I'm never going to be able to do this. It's so complicated, you know. And he said, oh, sure you will. I said, no, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I was like about seven or eight years old, right? And he said, sure you will. You'll go in the car. You'll have a route. You might get lost. And every time you get lost, you see, oh, no, it's not that way. It's this way. It's okay to get lost because each time you find out the right way to do it. And that's a tremendous gift that we can actually let ourselves make mistakes. In the 
I was just doing a series in my uh, Berkeley group. If you're ever in Berkeley on Thursdays, we have a sitting group on Thursday nights. And uh, I just did a series on uh, this, my favorite treatise of Dharma wisdom called The Third Zen Patriarch, or Verses of the Faith Mind by the Third Zen Patriarch of China. And he says, um, to live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. Mm-hmm. That's when you really know that you have arrived at deep realization that it's really okay to do it perfect, to, to not to do it perfectly, and to be just who you are. Because then every time you're not taking it personally, you're just kind of learning. We're all in a process of learning, and uh, we're learning each step along the way. So I'll talk a little bit about faith, and then about how it leads to confidence. You know, you come to this practice because somebody might have told you it's a good thing. Or maybe you read it in a book, a book that really inspired you, and you said, okay, I think I want to I go for it. You know, for me, uh, reading Be Here Now many years ago, I said, wow, okay, I think I'm, I think I found something that I'm looking for, and I went out to Naropa Institute in, uh, in 1974, which is when this first gathering of, of Buddhists in this lineage, Joseph Goldstein, my teacher, and Jack Cornfield, and uh, a lot of, lot of uh, people um, giving teachings. And I went in to hear Joseph teach this class on essential Buddhism, it was called. And the first 10 minutes that I was sitting there, I was saying, you know, well, he doesn't quite fit my image of a great spiritual teacher. He sounded like he was from Brooklyn and I was from Queens, you know. He's just a couple of years older than me, you know. He didn't have that, he didn't have any flowing beard or robes or, you know. So I spent about 10 minutes kind of looking at the package like that. So this is the great teacher, Ram Das, who in an interview said, Go check out Goldstein. But after about 10 minutes, I just listened to what he was saying. And it was both the, the words and where he was coming from that was so compelling. I knew, even though he wasn't so different than I was, that he knew something that I didn't know. Because he was so comfortable in his own skin and I was going through a lot of suffering. If you're somebody who's going through a lot of suffering, that can be an, a real gift, because I can tell you from experience, I was so insecure and so judge, self-judging and, and hard on myself and just thinking that things wouldn't work out. I was ready to go for it. And when I saw somebody like him, well, gosh, if he can do it, maybe I can do it. And I just went hook, line, and sinker into practice. A lot of times we're motivated by our suffering. So um, um, think of it as a gift if you've got it, just as long as you face the right direction. That inspiration is known as bright faith, where we 
are so moved by somebody somebody's example or maybe you've read a book by the Dalai Lama or seen somebody who's moved you that way or heard a talk and we say yes okay how many people have been touched by a bright faith like that see it's part of the process you're right on schedule okay for me another source of really of real inspiration was when i read or first heard the buddha's words and then read them if it were not possible to free the mind of greed hatred and delusion i would not tell you to do so mm. but it is possible and this is why i teach whoa okay <laughs> this guy's supposed to be telling the truth <laughs> It's possible to free the mind of greed, hatred, and delusion. Okay, that sounds good for me. So, from that bright faith, we decide to go for it. Or perhaps there's some reasoning in there too. Well, a whole lot of people have been talking about this for a while. and then you read some of the teachings or you hear a talk and that's another aspect of developing of faith or confidence in in uh in this process you say okay it makes sense well i've seen a whole lot of people who've who seem to have benefited from it yeah well that idea really does ring true okay that makes sense. and you might know it here in your mind oh yeah everything is impermanent Yeah, makes sense. So then there's no lasting happiness. Okay. Well, where does happiness lie? And that also gives boys our trust in this process. But then you have the task of doing it, of actually seeing for yourself. And this is where you're doing your work here and putting into Uh, practice what you might have heard or been inspired by and you sit you try to pay attention and your mind wanders and then you bring it back you try to be here and then it wanders and then you bring it back and you say oh my goodness can i ever quiet down this mind especially the first couple of days on a retreat <laughs> you know if i don't know if you were given the inside info but it usually takes about 3 days to settle down you know but those first couple of days oh my goodness what is going on quieting the mind and that is part of the process as well on my second retreat i was filled with doubt just I tried to sit, my mind was everywhere. I tried to walk, couldn't stop it, and everybody around seemed like they were just phonies playing at being meditators or spiritual people, right? And I'd listen to the teachers, you know, I wasn't sure so sure they knew what they were talking about, you know, it just seemed like a big sham. My body was killing me, my mind was everywhere, and I'd I I tried everything I could and then I just kind of gave up. Right? 
not a bad place to be when you give up. When I give up and I surrender, then there's something that might happen. Anyway, this one, this is up in, in Washington, Toledo, Washington. And, uh, and I, um, I decided to just, just take a break. And I went up to, because I was, I was a phony, I couldn't walk, I couldn't sit, and I went up to um, my little cubicle in this meditation center that they, had, uh, that they had the retreat at. And there on my bureau was a picture of um, Neem Karoli Baba, the, the uh, guru from Be Here Now, if you've ever read Be Here Now. And he's somebody who gave me also a lot of faith, and still does. And he, with this twinkle in his eye as he was smiling, looking at me kind of from the picture saying, hmm, getting pretty wound up, aren't we? (laughs) Just with a big smile, like, it's okay. And in a moment, I saw this whole drama that I'd created in my mind and just seeing, oh, I'm doing the best I can. It's okay. I don't have to figure it all out. And in that moment, this whole drama of doubt just evaporated. I got so excited, I couldn't wait to tell Joseph in an interview. I conquered doubt. (laughs) But unfortunately, the interview was about eight hours from that moment. And I went through every every different mind state a mind can go in, from fantastic confidence to exhilaration to then crashing. My mind got spun out, and I got sleepy, and I got confused, and then I got a little bit more balanced. I remembered what I'd seen in the picture. Finally, I get to the, the interview, and Joseph asks me, uh, so? How's it going? <laughs> and in complete innocence and exasperation, I sighed and said, it's always changing. He said, that's it. <laughs> said, oh yeah, you've been saying that, haven't you? I think I got it. You know, I think I got it. I'm just thinking of my fair lady. I think I've got it. You know, <laughs> by George, he's got it. You know. Oh, it's always changing. That's the idea. Oh yeah. And that, what I'd heard and even talked about for for quite a while, telling all my friends, oh, you just have to take a look at experience. It's always changing. You don't. It was from the inside that I got it. Oh, it really is always changing. What a relief. I finally got an insight, you know. This is real. And that kind of faith and confidence is called verified faith, where you know for yourself something that you might have heard as theory before. Have you seen it? Just think for a moment. What have you seen in these last few days 
that you absolutely know to be true. That if you could remember throughout your daily life would really help, starting with that. Have you seen how things change? Have you seen how when you try to hold on to experience, all it does is create more problems? Just think for a moment. I'd like you to go inside and get in touch with your own verified faith. And let yourself really celebrate that. Oh, I've learned something these days. Look at how the mind works. Okay, if you like, you can open your eyes. No one can take that away from you. And even if you forget from time to time, it's in there someplace waiting to be remembered. And that kind of verified faith more and more leads to this sense of confidence. Oh, not only confidence that there's something here that's real, but confidence that I can do this. And that kind of confidence isn't that oh, things are going to work out all the time, that, that trust, trust, confidence, faith, is that you can trust that your awareness can meet this moment. If we think that faith is, oh yes, everything's going to work out just the way I hope it will, you're setting yourself up for problems because things are out of our control. But if you look back over your time here and over your life and see all the difficulties that you've encountered, you've met and learned from, every single one, then when you get to the next one, instead of thinking, uh-oh, everything, I've met everyone up until now, but this one I don't know about, you see it's all worked out and you can, or you've learned from each one, not all worked out perfectly, but you've gotten the lessons that you've needed to from each challenge, and that you can trust that your awareness will meet that moment when it comes, when the next challenge comes. This is more and more verified faith leading into confidence. So I want to talk a little bit about some ways to consciously develop confidence and trust in this practice. First of all, the key, perhaps that you're learning more and more, that you can consciously deepen this understanding is that your thoughts 
are as real as you believe them to be and as empty as you see them to be. Your thoughts come completely unbidden. You don't have control over your thoughts. Now, you might sound, that might sound like a discouraging news. You do not have control over your mind, and you don't have control over your process. If you had control over your thoughts, you'd probably have just loving, wonderful thoughts of saving humanity and being this wise, compassionate, saintly person. Probably a few other thoughts slip through there. And it's such a relief to realize I don't have control over my thoughts. Why? Because then you don't have to blame yourself for any thought that comes through. And you don't have to take it personally. Do you say, gee, I could go for some rage right now. You know? <laughs> it just comes. How about some doubt? I could go for a good bout of doubt. Yes. It just comes. But the more you see here for yourself, as you're sitting here, the thoughts come and they go. They come and they go. That if you don't bite the hook, then you don't have to get caught by them. So practicing seeing the emptiness of your thoughts is a tremendous boost to confidence. Joseph has a very good suggestion. He says, if you're bothered by your thoughts, particularly if you're on a meditation retreat, it's a great thing to practice. Just imagine they're coming from the person behind you. <laughs> Which, for all intents and purposes, they are. You know, who knows? Maybe we're picking up radio waves, you know. It's so freeing to realize you're not your thoughts. When they snag us, it's like we are creating that reality. You know, particularly thoughts of, oh, this isn't going to work out. Fearful. All the thoughts that confuse us and contract us are thoughts in the mind that we're just believing. And as we believe them, it's like we're creating that reality. I, I gave a talk in, in Berkeley a couple of um, weeks ago, and I thought of something I hadn't in ages, so now I'm starting to use it in, in my talks. When I was a kid, I was about seven or so, seven or eight, and my father was teaching me to ride a bike. Right? And we were living in, uh, in, uh, in Jackson Heights, Elmhurst, actually, in Queens, and uh, it was a Sunday morning, and the street was basically empty where we started from. And you know the, that moment where you, uh, uh, where your your parents or you have the training wheels and there it's going along okay, and then all of a sudden they, they say, "Okay, you can do it." And let go. Right. So it's kind of exciting and a little bit nervous, you know. He said, okay, we're going to go. I'm going to let you go, James. And, and then he, he lets go. But we didn't see that down the street there's a bunch of people hanging out outside the, the, the building and a baby carriage there. <laughs> right. 
and I'm driving, I'm riding my bike, and I'm saying, oh, there's a baby carriage. I hope I don't go into the baby carriage. I hope I don't go. It was like I steered right into it. You know, I hope I don't go into that baby carriage. You know, trauma for the next three years as far as bike riding went. I, and it just, when I thought about this, you know, it was like, that's what our minds do. I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this doesn't happen. Boom, it's the only reality that we have. If you can see how empty those thoughts are, there's a great relief. You don't have to buy it. My, I shared with my, my group uh, in Berkeley my secret practice, which I, I had shared actually the first time with my wife a couple of months ago, as far as working with, with uh, thoughts. In my mind... You ever have those thoughts you're, dri- you're, you're driving, you say, you know, gosh, I'm imagining a, a car crash or some accident happening. So when that, a thought like that happens, I have a secret mental ray gun <laughs> that just in my mind goes, oh, thinking. <laughs> it just dissolves. <laughs> I don't know if you might... Try that for yourself, the ray gun approach. It wasn't ever in the poly canon, but, uh, <laughs> but it's basically seeing, oh, thinking, it's just a thought. After you're sitting here and you spent the last four days, three, three or four days, seeing how your thoughts come all by themselves, then you just notice, oh, thinking, and you don't have to give energy to them. They're empty if we let them be. Another way to work with or to develop confidence let me see if I have this is um, substituting what you do want to happen instead of thinking oh this isn't going to work just having a vision having an image of what you do want to happen what the Buddha calls inclining the mind not a goal, not a, not a uh, oh, I want this sitting to be brilliantly clear, and it better be, and I hope, it's, I hope it goes that way. But just inclining the mind is a beautiful phrase. The Buddha, in, in this one teaching, he says, whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of their mind. It's pretty straightforward, and it makes a whole lot of sense. If you keep on inclining towards well-being, towards clarity, towards being honest with yourself and with the moment, being kind, you're just inclining the mind, and that becomes more and more the vision that you grow into. You know, athletes do it all the time. This is how the mind works. They visualize success. And in the, in, the, um, uh, in the Pali Canon, the Buddha has this one discourse on different ways to work with distracting thoughts. He's got five different methods. I won't go all into all of them now, but I'll give you two of them that have to do with this inclining the mind. First, if he says, if you're really troubled by a particular thought or a particular sensation in the body, he suggests turning your attention elsewhere, what's called forgetfulness and inattention. 
the Buddha taught forgetfulness and inattention when you are hooked by something that keeps on snagging you or you've got a sensation in your body that's really hard to be with instead of keeping on focusing okay I'll be with it it's the thing that's happening I've got to be in there one of us will come out alive you know <laughs> you just turn your attention elsewhere just listen to sounds for a few moments or notice some area in your body that's not hurting or be with the breath or know that you're sitting here so you turn yourself your attention away from those doubting or frightened thoughts and then another uh, strategy that's given in this discourse is to substitute something wholesome for the um, for the troubling thought so for instance if you've got a lot of anger he says uh, substitute a wholesome thought what might be a wholesome thought to uh, to replace the anger anybody want to guess Huh? Fun. 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 Okay, that's good. All right. And if you're sitting here in the in your meditation, you know, if you can't just go for some entertainment, what kind of what kind of thoughts would soften the mind? Loving kindness. Yeah. He says that's a good thing. I'll, I'll do a little metta right now, so you kind of get enough balance. Or if you're in the middle of um, a lot of um, guilt for something that you've done in the past. He says to reflect on something that you've done that's really been very uh, kind or wise. And so you see, oh, sometimes I do some unpleasant things. Sometimes I do some really skillful things to kind of come back into balance. So that's, that's a very useful um, way to get enough space so that then you can open again to the moment because it's really hard to be with things when the mind is so contracted and so you need to find enough space so you could see clearly because when you see clearly then the wisdom can hold anything the awareness can hold anything the awareness of fear is not afraid the awareness of anger, that which is aware of anger, is not angry. The awareness can hold it all. We just have to get out of that small little box in our minds to see, oh, here's just anger. Here's angry Buddha. Here's frightened Buddha. Here's freaking out Buddha. Okay, that's what's happening. And then the more you see that, you see that the confidence that you're looking for is not even your confidence. It's confidence in the awareness. It's trust in the awareness. It's the, the truth that's been in there all along that you tap from time to time. You know those places where you, when you really know, when you really get it, and it's, this is the wisdom talking to you? You know the difference between the thoughts that come through like a, a finger wag saying you better do this or what happens all hell is going to break loose if you don't and those other thoughts that come through that just says 
yeah, this is right. Or, no, this doesn't feel right. And you just, it has that ring of truth in it. How do you know, how can you discern between those? Actually, I just want to ask you, when you hear that wisdom voice inside, how do you know, how can you tell the difference between that and the other one? We'll take a few comments, yeah. You feel good about it? Oh, how do you know you feel good about it? What's the feeling of feeling? What's that? You're calm. Calm. Okay, what else? No judgments. No judgments. What else? What are the cues? There's a place where it lands in my body. Say again? And what does it feel like in your body? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grounded. It's quiet. Uh, and it's not one, one right answer. There's lots of different cues. Okay, it's more heartfelt than mind felt. Yeah. Start to smile. Start to smile. Oh, how wonderful. It's got both the spirit and the grounding. Uh huh. A sense of knowing. So what I would l- invite you to do is get to be really familiar with the sense of knowing. It can come in the body. There's an ease. There's a, a, a lack of tension and contraction and an openness and a calm. And in the mind, the tone in, the vo- in, in your mind is probably more supportive, more uh, kind, more wise, more compassionate. And it's not even that, that you come out with, oh, look how wise and compassionate I am. It's like you're listening. Where does that come from? It's coming from a place deeper inside you than your thinking mind. You know, one could say it's the Buddha inside of you, or the one who knows, Ajahn Chah would say. That kind of confidence is is unshakable because it's not even you you're it is you and it's not you it's something much deeper than you and i think of the meditation practice as learning more and more to listen to that place of truth inside of us we're learning to listen to the moment what's the truth in this moment and also to listen more and more to the truth on a deeper level And if you stop and listen and become more and more familiar, discern that ring of truth, that can carry you through your whole life. And that is not something you need to to wonder about or or fear you're lost, that you'll lose. I'm remembering there's this line, something like this in the Course in Miracles, Believing in your littleness is arrogant because it's preferring your own opinion to God's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's something in you that's, that's stronger than all your doubt. You know, however much doubt you've had in your life or on this retreat, something stronger has carried you through that's kept you facing in the right direction. Isn't that wonderful? 
even stronger than all the doubt and confusion or fear, something has kept you leading on to get you to this very moment. And all you need to do is keep on trusting and listening to that. And what you've been doing these last few days is exactly the way to keep on perfecting to listen to that truth. So I'll just end with this wonderful poem uh, by my favorite poet named Dana Falls. And I think this book is in the bookstore called Go In and In. She says, um, this is called Awakening Now. Why wait for your awakening? The moment your eyes are open, seize the day. Will you behold when the beloved beckons? Will you deliver your litany of sins like a child's collection of seashells prized and labeled? No, I can't step across the threshold, you say, eyes downcast. I'm not worthy. I'm afraid. My motives aren't pure. I'm not perfect. And surely I haven't practiced nearly enough. My meditation isn't deep and my prayers are sometimes insincere. I still chew my fingernails and the refrigerator isn't clean. (laughs) Do you value your reasons for staying small more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. So, maybe we'll sit for a moment and those who want to walk can go walk. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. So I guess there's about 15 or 20 minutes before lunch. And if those, if some, if you want to walk,